0: Welcome back to the Homestyle MMA podcast. Sean Van Buren here for episode 36. Shout out to all the homies checking this out right now. I appreciate all of you. Today we're talking about the upcoming UFC 284, Makachev versus Volkanovsky for the lightweight title. Before we dive into that, it's time for the rapid recap of UFC Fight Night, Lewis versus Spivak. Let's go. As I'm sure many of you noticed, I did not check the date of this fight card because of that we released the episode a week early. I was focused on the next event and forgot to check the date for when this one was taking place. Is what it is. We had a great weekend of predictions, so it all worked out. Let's dive into it with Tatsuru Tyra versus Jesus Aguilar. All action to start our night, with a heavy leg kick from Aguilar that knocked Tyra to the ground. Tyra shot in for the takedown, and Jesus Aguilar went for the guillotine choke as they hit the ground. Tattoo attire was very patient, slowly escaped the submission while absolutely flipping this fight on its head by going for submission of his own. Tetsuo attire expertly moved on the ground to get the first round triangle submission win with the armbar to help lock it in. Jung Young Park versus Dennis Tuliulian I mentioned in the last episode of the podcast that Jung Young Park had to get this fight to the ground to win. He did just that. They were striking fairly even on the feet, but Park went for the takedown to Liulian Battled as hard as he could to stay standing, but Jung Young Park got the fight down, found himself in full mount going to work, and absolutely dominated on the ground. Park worked to maintain position, land strong ground and pound strikes, and bloodied up to Uliulian. Jungung Park landed massive elbows. Teululian gave up his back for the rear naked choke. And Jungung Park found the first round submission win with Dennis going to sleep. Seng Juk Choi versus Hyun Sung Park. The first of our road to the UFC fights, and it was an absolutely great one, that almost went the distance. Choi landed a massive overhand right in round one that dropped Park, but Hyungsan Park gathered himself and was able to continue the fight. Good first round as both fighters began to figure each other out, and round two began with these fighters swinging for the finish. Park turned it up later in round two, and he really started to land some great power shots. Round three brought the end to this fight. Hyungsan Park stuffed a takedown from Chuck Choi and went for a takedown of his own. But Choi kept it standing for now, and Park landed a heavy knee to the body of Choi, which appeared to do some damage. Park worked his way to the back of Choi, and Hyungsung Park got the third round rear naked choke win, riding the back of Choi like a backpack. Toshiomi Kazama vs. Rinya Nakamura Incredible performance by Nakamura. This fight lasted 33 seconds, and Nakamura got two knockdowns in that span, including the TKO win. Nakamura's power was serious for this bantamweight division. He dropped Kazamba the first time with a short check counter right hook while moving his feet. So that's extremely impressive. He was able to generate that much power into a shot while moving. Typically, a lot of guys gain power in their punches by driving through their feet from the ground into their hands for that punch. For him, he was moving his feet, still able to generate enough power to... Land a serious damaging shot. Serious striking power injected into this bantamweight division with Rinya Nakamura. Zhang Yong Li versus Yi Zha. Our first fight to see the judges, and an odd one with a split decision where one judge gave Yi Zha a 30 to 27 and the other two giving Li 29 to 28. Very different scorecards. But it was a tough fight to score because it depended on whether you valued damage and striking totals or wrestling and control. Yi Xiao had five takedowns with eight minutes of control time, while Zhang Yang Li had twice as many total strikes. Significant strikes were almost even, so very tough fight to score. On the last episode of the podcast, I told you that I thought this was going to be the closest matchup from the road to the UFC, and that proved to be true. I think Yi Xia should have won the fight only because stopping takedowns isn't part of the official scoring. Although I would love to see that officially be added because Yang Li did stop 16 total takedowns. So really an incredible effort to keep the fight standing as much as he could. Tough fight to score, though, because Yixia wasn't very active once he completed those takedowns that he was able to get. He only needed a little more striking and damage to win this one on the decision, in my opinion, but ultimately, he did not get the nod. Jeka Saragi versus Anshul Jubilee. Jeka Saragi came out throwing a ton of kicks that Anshul was not checking very well, and Shul Jubilee decided to get this fight down to the mats and that proved to be much more fruitful for him. Saragi was able to keep control on the ground while landing some ground and pound. Round 2 was really much of the same, with Anshul Jubilee getting this fight to the mats, working for submissions and ground and pound. He found what he was looking for, Anshul Jubilee got the second round TKO victory with elbow ground and pound for the finish. That took us to the main card with Yusaka Kinoshita versus Adam Fugit, with Adam Fugit making me look like a genius with a big underdog bet win. Kinoshita did come out with a lot of aggression and some good striking to begin this fight, but Adam Fugit started to work in takedowns, and that allowed him to begin to take over this fight. I told you on last week's episode of the podcast, or the last episode I should say, not necessarily last week, the wrestling of Adam Fugit would make the difference, and that proved to be true. Adam Fugate landed some fantastic knees in the clinch as he was chain-wrestling against the cage. They separated, and Adam Fugate landed a powerful left-hand punch that dropped Yusaka Kinoshita. Adam Fugate got the fight to the ground yet again and worked his way to the first-round TKO victory with ground and pound elbows. Doho Choi vs. Kyle Nelson, another odd one for the judges due to striking versus wrestling. The problem in this fight is that Choi was deducted a point in the last round due to a headbutt. Now, not an intentional headbutt, but a damaging headbutt. He was um, denied a point. a point was taken away from him. Choi dominated this fight, and that point deduction cost him the win. Zuho Choi fought phenomenally otherwise, but instead, we were left with a majority draw. Marcin Tybura versus Blagoy Ivanov followed that. I really never would have guessed that the judges would be needed for this fight. I thought for sure that someone was going to sleep. Luckily, I think the judges definitely got this one right with more striking from Tybura and a takedown with 5 minutes of control time. Surprisingly a bit, both heavyweights threw a ton of strikes, over 100 total strikes thrown each, but were landing at very low percentages. Perhaps a little more accuracy from either fighter could have ended this fight. Either way, I knew Marcin Tabur was going to win this one and he got it done by decision. Daun Jung versus Devin Clark, and really this fight surprised me. I thought that Jung was going to dominate the striking, but that really just didn't happen in this fight. He only landed 18 significant strikes in this 15-minute fight. I said last week that Devin Clark would need to wrestle to win and he did go for plenty of takedowns and he did land a few but he really just did a better job of mixing his striking and combos with his wrestling throughout this fight, constantly keeping Da Ujong guessing and he made sure to stay active on the ground with his strikes, his ground-to-pound strikes to really just cruise his way to three 30-27 unanimous decision scorecards to win. Derek Lewis versus Sergey Spivak was our main event to end the night at very early in the morning. <laughs> I told you in the last episode how this fight would go. I knew how it would go. You can never count out the power of Derek Lewis, but I thought the matchup was just bad. He's an extremely likable guy and fighter because of his impressive highlight reel of knockouts, but he will lose to a good grappler 9 times out of 10. Sergei Spivak, to me, fell under the category of a great grappler. And he completely dominated this fight. Spivak immediately took control of the fight. He kept Lewis to 0 for 3 total strikes. While Sergei Spivak absolutely went off to the tune of 6 for 8 takedowns, 2.5 minutes of control time, and 36 total strikes in this half a round of a fight. Sergey Spivak kept wrestling, kept the pressure, kept grinding down Lewis, and eventually got the arm triangle submission win, which I felt like was going to come at some point in this fight if Lewis didn't get a kind of of out-of-nowhere knockout punch. Unfortunately, it's a tough matchup for Derek Lewis, and I think Sergey Spivak just wins this fight 9 out of 10 times. It's a stylistic nightmare, in my opinion, for Derek Lewis. And I think Sergei Spivak has a lot of potential in the UFC as a heavyweight. That wraps up our rapid recap. Let's take a look at our bets. So taking a look at our bets... um... I didn't catch that we had the weekend off in the UFC like I mentioned, so my last episode came out a week early, hence why I couldn't find alternate lines at that point in time because we were a week ahead. That kept us from making a few bets that I would have otherwise made, but we still had a great weekend. Tatsuro Taira versus Jesus Aguilar. That was a no bet for us. We were leaning Tatsuro Taira, and that ended up being a win if you took it. Jung Young Park versus Dennis Tuliulian. Jung Young Park Moneyline minus 200 was a win. Ji Yong Kim versus Mandy Bohm was a fight that was originally on this card that was cancelled. Sung Jok Choi versus Sung Park. We had Sung Park money line minus 195 for the win. Toshiomi Kazama versus Renya Nakamura. This was a no bet. I was leaning fight to not go the distance, uh, but really for my straight-up winner, I was leaning Renya Nakamura money line, and that would have been a win, but it was a no bet for the pod. Zhang Yang Lee versus Yi Jia was a no bet for the pod. We were leaning Yijia Moneyline, which would have been a loss. And Jeka Saragi versus Anshul Jubli, We had Jeka Saragi Moneyline plus 100 for an underdog. That was a loss for the podcast. Have no fear. We bounced back with our main card. Yusaka Kinoshita versus Adam Fugit. Adam Fugit Moneyline plus 220 as the big underdog win for the weekend. Duho Choi versus Kyle Nelson was a no bet for the podcast. Super thankful for that because I actually thought the fight to not go the distance was our best bet there. That would have been a loss. Uh, but unfortunately, if you'd picked the winner, you also got screwed with the majority decision. Marcin Tybura versus Blagoy Ivanov. We had Marcin Tybura, money line minus 175, for the win. Truthfully, had the alternate line been available for the finish, I probably would have taken that. So this was a situation where I got a little bit lucky that I couldn't get greedy. Daun Jung versus Devin Clark. We went with Daun Jung money line minus two fifty, for an unfortunate loss for us in our main event. Derek Lewis versus Sergey Spivak. We had Sergey Spivak money line minus two twenty five, which was a win because we couldn't take Spivak by finish. I told you on our last episode of the podcast I uh, thought Spivak would win by submission, and I did think it would happen in the third, fourth, or fifth rounds. Um, but I really wanted Sergey Spivak by finish. I liked him by submission. We took him straight up for minus 225. I'll take the win, but that was a spot where we lost an opportunity to get a little bit better odds, getting a little bit more specific. All in, though, guys, can't complain. We were up 2.24 units. We went 5-2 and two with our bets, and we didn't have any going back for more two-unit bets from this past Saturday. The home saw perfect plate parlay was less successful unfortunately we had Marcin Tybura money line Da Jung money line and Sergey Spivak money line for plus 217 that was a loss due to the Da Jung loss versus Devin Clark that wraps up all of our bets from this last UFC fight night let's take a look at our verdict performance and give out some podcast awards Back to our winning ways on verdict. Thankfully, 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 we're back to our medal winning ways with a bronze medal in verdict. Now, to be honest, the main card started at 1 a.m. Sunday morning here in the Eastern Time Zone. So I did not watch these fights live. I did watch them Sunday night. So because of that, we didn't get the additional points for scoring rounds live. If you score the rounds live in the verdict app, you are given a few points as well. I think those missed points likely cost us from getting a silver medal, but that's all right. I'm happy with getting back on the podium. If that works for me, we'll happily take our bronze medal because it was still enough for us as a podcast to get promoted to Purple Belt, One Stripe, and Verdict. So go check out the Homestyle MMA podcast on Verdict to follow our picks on there. Awards time. Our mac and cheese UFC prelims performance of the night is going to Rinya Nakamura with his very fast first round knockout win and our chicken and dumplings UFC main card performance of the night has to go to the big underdog that really saved our weekend from a betting standpoint, getting that very impressive first round win, Adam Fugit. Uh, we saw him use all of his MMA weapons to finish that fight, striking, wrestling, grappling on the ground and getting a ground and pound finish. Really a great performance from him. But that wraps up our weekend and this last weekend in the UFC. It's finally time. Let's look forward to the massive UFC 284 pay-per-view coming up this Saturday. So the UFC 284 early prelims are starting at 6 o'clock p.m. on Eastern Standard Time with Zubaira Tukugov. Versus Elvis Brenner. Very interesting start to our night. Tukugov is 2-2-1 in his last 5 UFC fights. And he averages 2.46 takedowns per fight. But Elvis Brenner wants this fight on the ground. He's 11-0 by submission out of his 13 pro wins. Brenner is making his UFC debut. And he's on a 2 fight win streak. And I'm really not confident in this fight because I think Zubaira Tukov is better than his recent record suggests. But we haven't seen just how dominant Elvis Brenner could be on the ground against UFC level competition. On paper, an 11-0 submission record in 16 total pro fights is very impressive. From a betting standpoint, I am staying away from this one. And I am leaning Zubaira Tukugov, mainly because I've at least seen him fight a few times. And I think he's had some very close fights, tough decisions lately. So I think he's better than his recent record suggests. Shane Young versus Blake Builder. Builder's undefeated at 7-0-1 with a knockout and four submission wins, including one in his last fight on Dana White's Contender Series. Shane Young is fighting for his roster spot in this fight. He lost two straight and three of his last five. Young has fought once per year, going back through 2018 as well, with no fights in 2022. Builder's taken a very different route. With four fights in the last two years, Shane Young will want to stand and strike, while Blake Builder will likely have a big advantage on the ground. I just haven't been that impressed with Shane Young to this point in the UFC, so I'll be taking a flyer on the newcomer Blake Builder to get this fight to the mats and really control the action. Loma Look Bone Me versus Elise Reed Whatever the line, you could probably hammer a fight to go the distance and be very safe here. In their 18 combined pro fights, only 6 have ended by finish. Loma won her last fight and three of her last four. Every single one of Loma Me's UFC fights have gone to a decision. Ellis Reed won her last fight and is 2-2 two and two in the UFC. Her only two losses have come by knockout in the UFC. And I just don't think Loma Lukbonmi has the finishing capabilities to get a knockout here. Ellis Reed generally relies on her striking only to win fights. While Luma Luke Bonmi is a well rounded MMA fighter, she might not have much in regards to finishing capabilities, but she can outstrike or outwrestle opponents to victory at this skill level in the UFC. Our last early prelim fight finds Jack Jenkins versus Don Shanice. Jenkins won his Dana White's Contender Series appearance by knockout in his last fight and has won seven straight as a pro. His only two losses have been by submission. Shaynus stepped in on short notice for his UFC debut in his last fight against a ranked Sadiq Youssef to try to kind of save that fight, and understandably, he got absolutely demolished. Uh, If you watched that fight, it did not take very long. Um, That ended a five-fight win streak for Don Shainis, and left us knowing very little about him because the fight was so short. The resume of Don Shanis looks pretty good, though. 12 pro wins, 8 knockouts, 2 submissions. But Jack Jenkins looked phenomenal on Dana White's contender series. He was 4 for 6 on takedowns, 11 minutes of control time, and the 14-minute fight before he found the finish. Seems like Jack Jenkins can be a real problem if he gets you to the mats. And that is enough for me to take him in this one until we learn just a little bit more about either fighter. That wraps up our UFC 284 Early Prelims. Let's take a look at the 284 Regular Prelims. Our UFC 284 Prelims start at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time with Jamie Malarkey versus Francisco Prado. Malarkey won an intense split decision in his last fight and three of his last four fights he's won. Francisco Prado is making his UFC debut with a ton of confidence. Undefeated at 11-0, he has five knockouts and six submission wins. He was a four-time champion of Samurai Fight House prior to this UFC debut and fought four times in 2022 alone. Prado seems like a very well-rounded MMA fighter, and he is making... This debut with all of the confidence in the world. As an underdog, Francisco Prado is a very nice value play for this Saturday. Shannon Ross versus Clayson Rodriguez. Really, kind of just an odd fight here in my opinion. Shannon Ross lost his last fight by knockout on Dana White's contender series, yet here he is fighting in the UFC. Uh, very not typical to lose by finish on Dana White's Contender Series and have your next appearance be for the UFC roster. Uh, Anyways, Claydson won his Dana White's Contender Series appearance by decision and followed that up with a split decision loss in his UFC debut. I think he avenges his loss here with a fairly dominant win using his striking and wrestling. Shannon Ross was knocked down three times in his Dana White's Contender Series appearance and lost by second round knockout. Not sure that he's really ready for this level of competition just yet, so this one seems like a no-brainer. Clayton Rodriguez wins this fight. Josh Kulabao versus Melshik Bagdasaran Kulabao is an inch taller and has 3 inches in reach advantage. On a two-fight win streak, Kulabao is a striking heavy fighter who can pack a very serious punch. Melsik is kind of the same, so this one should be fun. I actually think that we're in for a 15-minute slugfest here with both fighters having their moments with their striking. I don't see this one hitting the mats. I think Melshik may have more striking output, but I think Kolabau will land the harder, more damaging strikes. I give the slight edge to Josh Kulabau, but I would like to see this fight go the distance. That way we can get treated with just kind of a little bit of a slugfest, I think would be nice. Our last prelim fight of the night is Tyson Pedro versus Modestas Bukowskas. Bukauskas gets another shot in the UFC. He won his UFC debut in 2020 before losing three straight. That led to his departure from the organization. He since won two in a row with Cage Warriors and is set to make his return. He goes up against Tyson Pedro, who won his last two fights by first round knockout. And he's 5-3 in the UFC. All 9 of Tyson Pedro's pro wins are by finish, with 2 of his 3 losses also by finish. 15 of Bukowskis' 18 pro fights have also ended by finish. So I think this one won't need judges. They'll probably go take their bathroom break during this fight. These fighters are very similar sized. I'm going with Tyson Pedro to get the win and build some momentum in the UFC. Look for the knockout early. That wraps up our UFC 284 prelims. Let's take a look at that pay-per-view main card. Time to talk about that UFC 284 pay-per-view main card, starting at 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Jimmy Crute versus Alonzo Menefield. Talk about an interesting matchup. Jimmy lost his last two fights, but they were against the current light heavyweight champ and a former light heavyweight title challenger. Both fights did end by knockout, however, but he has gone over a year since his last fight to really make sure that he is recovered and ready to go. None of Kroot's last six fights have left the first round. Alonzo Menifield has won four of his last five fights, including two in a row, by first round knockout. The chances of this fight leaving the first round, I think, are pretty slim. Both fighters have tremendous power, and Crute has a slight edge in jiu-jitsu, I think. It's a pretty close fight. Very interesting matchup. 25 of their combined 31 pro fights have ended by finish. Judges will not be needed here as again. I believe that Menefield will be the heavier hitter. I think that Jimmy Crute will need to be careful, or he will get knocked out again. Jimmy Crute does have skills when it comes to wrestling though and I think he needs to get the fight there multiple times if he wants to win this fight. While I think Jimmy Crute is very skilled and would like to see him break this losing streak, if I had to put my money on someone to win a first round finish, it's got to be the power of Alonzo Menifield. Our next fight is Justin Taffa versus Parker Porter. Big boys are going to rock the cage in this heavyweight matchup. We've seen most of Justin Taffa's pro career in the UFC, where he is 2-3. and three. All five of his pro wins have come by knockout, including a knockout win in his last fight. Taffa hasn't had the most impressive resume in the UFC either. Parker Porter lost his last fight by submission to end his three-fight winning streak. In his defense, it was Jailton Almeida, who's one of the most talented fighters on the roster. Parker will use a full MMA approach to this fight, mixing in wrestling with his striking, and that is where I think he wins this fight against Justin Taffa. Taffa is predominantly a striker. I don't think he has been in the game long enough to stop the takedowns of Parker Porter, look for Parker Porter to get this fight to the mats, where he will either get a ground-and-pound TKO win late in this fight, and maybe round three, and partially due to the fatigue from Taffa, or just simply a very dominant decision win, where he might grapple to a 10-8 in round 3. Jack Della Maddalena versus Randy Brown follows that fight, and we are in for a treat with this one. Kickboxer versus Kickboxer. 17 knockouts between the two of them. Randy Brown is a large welterweight with a 4-inch height and 5-inch reach advantages. He has won four straight and scored a knockdown in his last fight. He's very skilled at using his size and long range attacks to strike and move, to hit and avoid damage. He's very light on his feet. He bounces around in the cage. Very tough with a 10 and 4 UFC record. The problem is Jack Della Maddalena is a wrecking ball in the octagon. 11 knockouts himself in 13 pro wins. He won a decision, ironically enough, on Dana White's contender series to earn a spot in the UFC, and he's followed that up with three straight first-round knockout wins. Jack hits like a truck. Randy Brown will have the grappling advantage if that comes into play at any point in this fight, but I think we see another signature knockout win for Jack Della Maddalena as he continues to disrupt the UFC. His high volume and high powered striking attack I think will likely overwhelm Randy Brown. I do think that Randy will use his long range stick and move attacks to try to survive round 1, but round 2 is when this fight ends. That covers our UFC 284 main card. We're now going to dive in specifically to the co-main and main event fights. It's title fight time, and we started off with Yair Rodriguez versus Josh Emmett. This is the featherweight interim title fight because our current featherweight champion is fighting up a weight class in the main event of this fight night, UFC 284. This is a massive, just huge fight because the winner, for one, will be the interim flyweight champion, but they're also likely facing Alexander Volkanovsky next to unify the belt. Yair is 5 inches taller. He won his last fight after a fluke shoulder dislocation by Ortega in the first round. Yair actually lost prior to that to Max Holloway. This is kind of an interesting fight because I feel that Yair only got into this interim matchup because we have seen Holloway versus Volkanovski several times before, and we just need to see something different. Otherwise, Max would be in Yair's place here fighting Josh Emmett. Now, Josh Emmett, I think, has really earned his chance at the title here. He's on a hot streak. He's won five straight after an extremely close fight against Calvin Cater. This is an interesting fight because both fighters prefer to stand and strike. Yair will have the speed and volume striking advantages, while Josh Emmett will certainly have the power advantage. I don't think that Josh Emmett can keep up with the striking output of Yair Rodriguez round to round but he has the ability to score a few knockdowns, which would swing the damage and the round into his favor. If this goes five rounds, then I think Yair Rodriguez will win. He may get knocked down and dropped maybe upwards of two rounds, but I can't see Josh Emmett outstriking the volume of Yair Rodriguez in three out of the five rounds. So that being said, I think if the fight doesn't make it to the judges, It's because Josh Emmett got a knockout. You're trying to predict the most likely outcome in this fight. Either Josh Emmett by knockout or Yair Rodriguez by decision. So in that case, I am actually leaning Yair Rodriguez. For our main event, we have the current lightweight champ and the number two pound-for-pound fighter in the UFC, Islam Makhachev going for his first title defense against the number one pound-for-pound fighter and current UFC featherweight champ, Alexander Volkanovsky, who's moving up a weight class to chase this belt and become a double champ. I think this is a fascinating fight. I understand, I guess, why the odds are so wide, but people need to put some respect on Alexander Volkanovsky's name. If Volk wins this fight, it's going to be incredibly impressive for his resume. Isla Makachev is one of the most skilled ground fighters that we have seen in a very long time. And Volkanovski was just recently able to survive on the ground in the past and earn a victory against Brian Ortega, who's also very skilled on the ground. He is a Gracie Jiu-Jitsu fighter. Makachev is 4 inches taller, but Volk has the 1 inch reach advantage, interestingly enough. And it just doesn't get much better than this. Makachev is on an 11 fight UFC win streak with the last five all coming by finish. Volkanovsky is 12-0 in the UFC with four title defenses already at featherweight. Man, this is just one crazy fight. Because Volk is an elite striker and Makachev is an elite ground fighter, the winner of this fight will be whomever can impose their will and their game plan. I don't think that Volkanovski has the power to knock out Makachev, so I think that Makachev will have some chances to get this fight to the ground and go for submission. That being said though, on the feet, I think Volkanovski will tee off on Makachev with his excellent boxing combos and more importantly, his ferocious kicking attack. Volkanovski is one of the best kicking attacks in the UFC. That aspect of his game seems to make the biggest difference in his fights because he'll kick his opponents hard 50 plus times across a five round fight, typically to that lead calf or to the leg, and really just, Take away the power and the will to fight from his opponents. Volk has also gone five rounds many times before, and I think he will have the cardio advantage due to that experience. Islam is an absolute wizard on the ground, though. I do think that he will get beat up on the feet in this fight, so he will go for a ton of takedowns and try to wear on Volkanovsky on the ground. He'll probably threaten with submissions while landing some strategic ground and pound, all while trying to keep Volkanovsky down. It's a lot to ask but Islam Makhachev is extremely skilled. If Volkanovsky can survive the first two rounds, I think if he can get through the first two rounds without being submitted, he starts to get a little bit sweaty. Maybe Islam starts to fatigue. I'm not sure. We'll see. We haven't seen Islam go five rounds. It could be harder for him to land those takedowns. Uh, I think that Volk will win this fight and become the double champ. He's got in my opinion, a tremendous value play. I'm seeing him at plus 300 or more across a few different sports books. I mean, the guy's a champion. I know that Islam Makachev might be in a harder weight class, but I mean, I don't know. That's a lot of value for a champ. So that's my prediction for this incredible fight. I think there's a lot of value on Alexander Volkanovsky at the moment. And I do think that he wins this fight, likely. I think five-round war, where he just beats up the legs of Makachev, pieces him up with combos, striking on the feet, survives on the ground enough to get that decision win. In my head, I'm thinking uh, a fairly clear 48-47, or maybe even a 49-46. That wraps up our, our predictions, our preview for UFC 284. Let's talk some gambling. If you have a gambling problem, please call your state's hotline. We are going in here with our momentum from the last UFC weekend up several units. We start off the UFC early prelims with a couple fights we're going to actually leave alone. Zubaira Tukugov versus Elvis Brenner is a no bet for the podcast. I would lean Zubaira Tukugov if you agree as well. Shane Young versus Blake Builder is another no bet for the pod. I am leaning Blake Builder money line to get the win. Luma Luke Bone Me versus Elise Reed. We're going with Luma Luke Bone Me by decision for -127. And Jack Jenkins versus Don Shenes. I like Jack Jenkins money line -350. For our UFC prelim matchups, Jamie Malarkey versus Francisco Prado. I like Francisco Prado money line +225. Trying to go big whale hunting and hitting another fairly large underdog, Shannon Ross versus Clayson Rodriguez. I like Clayson Rodriguez money line. Going back for more two unit bet at minus three thirty five. Josh Kulabau versus Melshik Bakadesarian. Fight to go the distance at minus one fifty. And then following that, Tyson Pedro versus Modestas Busekaukas. Fight to not go the distance at minus 225. For our pay per view UFC main card matchups, Jimmy Crute versus Alonzo Menifield. I like Alonzo Menafield. Moneyline plus 155 as an underdog. Justin Toffa versus Parker Porter. I'm seeing Parker Porter, Moneyline, slight dog at plus 105. I think that's a pretty solid bet. Jack Della Maddalena versus Randy Brown. I like Jack Della Maddalena by finish for minus 125. Jair Rodriguez versus Josh Emmett year Rodriguez, Moneyline, minus 180. And Islam Makachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky for the lightweight championship. We are going with Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. Moneyline, plus 300. So we have a lot of underdogs we're going for this Saturday. Hopefully we pick the right ones. Usually you can find two or three underdogs, get their hands raised. I would love a couple of those if we can get them right this Saturday. For the Homestyle Perfect Plate Parlay, we're going Loma Lucbon Me money line, Clayton Rodriguez money line, and Jack Della Maddalena money line. So each of those three fighters to win at plus 125. Those are our predictions for the UFC 284. Those are our bets. Let's go ahead and wrap up the podcast. As always, please bet responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call your state's hotline. I'll be posting my verdict scorecard predictions prior to the events on social media for the podcast. Please go follow at the Homestyle MMA Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and at Homestyle MMA Pod on Twitter. Check out podcast.podbean.com for additional information about the podcast. I will continue to grow content on social media as we get further into this podcasting journey. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, like, comment, and review. Next week, we will do a rapid recap from this card and preview UFC Fight Night Vera versus Sandhagen. Guys, that should be a fantastic bantamweight fight. Till next time, this was Sean Van Buren on the Homestyle MMA Podcast. Y'all have a good one.